Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Give it up for Jesus one more time all across this place. Hey! We're so glad that you guys are here. We're going to jump straight into this next part of cleaning out my closet. So get out your notes if you have those. If you're online, you can check those out if you're here. Uh, your Bibles, get out that. We're going to have some stuff coming up on the screen. But So uh, here's the uh, thing about my wife, all right? First of all, she's beautiful. She's amazing. She was in charge of that whole event last night. And so uh, if we can give it up one time for my amazing, beautiful wife. She's a, awesome. She hates that. One of the reasons she's over events here at TC is because she's the party queen. All right. So like she loves throwing a party. Um, I'm the guy that's like, man, I, I like, she's like, do you want to play games? Do you want to do this? And I'm like, not really. Um, you know, like, so I'm kind of a Scrooge, but she loves throwing parties. And so we were buying a house a few years back. And so as we were getting ready to buy our house, uh, one of the things she said uh, is, I want a pool. And so I've always been a believer that a pool and a boat is the best thing for your best friend to have, right? Because, like, now you don't have to take care of it. You know what I mean? And so I told her going in. Now, fellas, if you think this is not good of me being a husband, I don't care. All right, but this, I, I told her going in, I said, you can have a pool. I'm not taking care of it. I'm not saying you got to take care of it. I'm just saying we need to budget around some Starbucks or something to pay somebody else to take care of it. That was the agreement. So she's done that, and we have a pool because my wife usually gets what she wants. Anyway, that's irrelevant. That's not part of the sermon. So we have the pool. One of the things I didn't realize was that we were going to become the party house for everything. July 4th, my house right? Anyone's birthday that we might have met some point in the last 10 years, my house, all right? So my wife's getting an inkling that friends need to come over, my house, all right? A party for no reason other than her favorite show is starting back up with a new season, my house, all right? In that process uh, of parties, we had a pool party uh, this past year, and a buddy of mine came over. I guess he didn't get the memo, My man comes over to a pool party in a black shirt, black skinny jeans, black vans. I'm pretty sure he had on black socks, and we'll just stop there, right? And so I was like, brother, did you not know? A, this is Florida. There's no reason for you to be wearing that at all. And secondly, this is a pool party. And so I said, maybe I can go find some old stuff in my closet that used to fit me. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So I went into my closet, tried to find some stuff that maybe used to fit me, and uh One thing I found as I'm going through all my clothes that I hope to one day be able to fit into again. Y'all know what that's like. And so as I was doing that, I started coming across some smalls and some mediums. Now, let me help y'all out for a second. (laughs) There ain't been a day in my life, all right? Like, smalls and mediums shouldn't even exist like in the last 20 years of conversations for me. All right, some of y'all are like, I still wear that. Well, we don't care about y'all. Okay, so <laughs> small to medium. So I'm pulling some stuff out. And here's one of the things I realized, because I have a cluttered closet. Anybody, anybody can relate to having too much stuff in your closet. Let's just be real for a second, right? Here's one thing I realized. One of the reasons my closet is so cluttered is 
because I'm storing some stuff in there that ain't mine. Now, if you ain't picked up on what I'm talking about yet, I want to switch from the closet in your bedroom to the closet of your life. Where all of us tend to have a cluttered life because we're storing a bunch of stuff that just ain't ours. How many of us, if we were honest, you don't have to raise your hand, you're carrying the load of somebody else right now that no one asked you to carry, but you feel obligated to carry it. And here's the deal. So one of the reasons you're full of, many of us can be full of anxiety, stress, even I would say words like depression sometimes, feeling like the world is caving in on us. A lot of it's not because of the stuff we have in our life. Don't get me wrong. We all got plenty of that. But sometimes it's what we're carrying for other people. And what I want to talk to you about today is this idea of looking in the closet of your life and going, that's not mine. And what do we do about it, right? Let's go to Matthew chapter 11, 20 through 30. This has been our theme verse for the month. But this is Jesus. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens. And what does he say? I will give you, say that word with me, rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus wants us to come to him and hear me. He didn't say everything gets easy. Matter of fact, he didn't say there wouldn't be anything to carry. He just said, when you carry what I ask you to carry, it's lighter. So like, here's something I want to help you with for a second. You will carry a burden, but when you carry Jesus' burden, it's just lighter. So like for those of us that are like, I'm just tired of carrying stuff, you're always going to have something to carry. Some of y'all, it's like a mom with like a diaper bag. You know what I'm talking about? Like, how do y'all fit that much stuff in there, right? Like, there's always something to carry. But I'm here to tell you that we don't have to carry everyone else's stuff. Now, for the record, I'm not talking about what you're helping other people carry. Because how many of you guys know God partners us in relationships with people to help each other carry a load, right? That's why we believe in groups so much here at TC. We want everyone in a group because together it's easier to carry what God asks us to carry. So I'm not asking you to put down what God is asking you to help someone else carry. I'm talking about the stuff you've picked up that no one even asked you to carry. I'm talking about the burden for other people that wasn't even yours to pick up. And here's the other thing I'm asking you to put down the things that people aren't willing to carry themselves. Because that's where it gets real. So let's talk for a second about how we end up with other people's stuff, shall we? Because how many of y'all have ended up with somebody else's stuff? Raise your hand. All right, everybody, everybody, perfect. All right. So I want to give you this list real quick. First one is we feel guilty about something. We end up carrying something for somebody else because we feel guilty about something, right? And so, man, I feel like I got to help somebody out. Number two, because we lack boundaries. Some of you need to learn this magical word called no. I believe it's spiritual. No. Right? So some of us lack boundaries. Number three, some of us have a God complex. Listen to me. Some of your family members will never see God because you won't stop being God. All right. No, for real, some of us think to ourselves, like, man, I'm the best, I'm the smartest, they need me, no one else will do, like, I, I need to be the person that answers, hear me, no, you don't. Because even when God speaks through you into their life, it's God speaking through you, and if he spoke through a donkey in the Bible, I'm sure, I promise you, first of all, don't think too highly of yourself, 
All right, I mean, so that really levels the playing field. And secondly, he can use anybody, right? So maybe we need to decrease that a little bit. The next thing is that they won't carry it for themselves. They won't carry it for themselves. Listen, you can't carry a burden for someone else. They won't carry it for themselves, right? Here's the reality. Some people are just lazy. Some people aren't willing to change. Some people aren't willing to put in the work. And hear me, you can't want for someone else what they don't want for themselves. And so you have to choose that. And then the last one that I think is maybe where some of us end up a little bit more is that they can't carry it for themselves. So it's not that they won't. It's just that the burden's too big, right? It's too much for them. Maybe they're broken. The situation's too hard. And then hear me, this is a legitimate reason to help people when they can't carry it all themselves. And this is, man, like this is where we should find ourselves. And there is a way you should do it. But here's the question that I have for you before we get into this. And I want you to reflect on this as we go unpacking the rest of today, right? Here's the question I have for you. Are we trying to play the Savior's role in the lives of people that we were only meant to play a supporting role in? Are we playing a Savior's role in the lives of people that we were only meant to play a supporting role in? Because if you're playing the Savior's role, listen to me, you'll always feel like you failed. You'll always feel like you didn't do good enough. And you'll always come back helping them again when they're not even looking for it are willing to change themselves. And so we have to assess what's the best way we can help somebody, and that's what I want to give you today, all right? We're going to spend the rest of our time, for the most part, in Mark chapter 9, if you want to go there in your Bibles. But before we do that, there's a story in the Bible, right? So there's this story in the Bible whose man needs healing, uh, this man whose son, I'm sorry, needs healing. And so the man comes to Jesus, and there's this evil spirit. So Jesus is coming down the mountain. I'm catching you up on the story because we're going to jump right in the middle of it, all right? Jesus comes down the mountain with his disciples. As he's coming down, he sees a crowd arguing with some people. And so uh, the disciples are going like, man, we feel like we could have like figured some things out, but we don't know. And so Jesus shows up, right? So he comes down and in Mark chapter 9, verses 16 through 18, we pick up on this verse in the middle of this story, right? And the first thing that I want to show you before I give you this text is the first point about how you can help people carry the proper load. Are you ready? You need to push past the noise of everyone else. Push past the noise of everyone else. How many of y'all know when you're in people's lives, things get noisy? Especially if you use social media. So we need to push past the noise of everyone else. And so Jesus is pushing past the crowd of this is where we pick up. You ready? Jesus comes to him in verses 16 through 18. He says, what are you arguing with them about? He asked. And a man in the crowd answered, he says, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit. Later, he says, I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. And so I feel like the disciples are probably looking at him like, hey, bro, you probably could have left that part out. <laughs> like, like, hey, we, I brought you my son. He needs healing. And like, we could have left it at that. They're like, and by the way, these guys that were following you, they couldn't do it. And they're like, all right, thanks, bro. Like. Now we get to talk later. But he's, 
He's there. The guy brings his son, right? And so in the, middle of the, in the middle of the arguing, in the middle of the crowds, in the middle of the chaos, the naysayers, listen, they were even arguing with religious folks. And in the middle of all of that, Jesus has to cut through all of that. But more importantly, the father of the son has to cut through all of that. Because here's the thing. The son is the one that needs the breakthrough. The son is the one that needs the miracle. But how many guys know, even especially you parents, that when your kid needs something, and I'm not talking about needs like a sandwich, I'm talking about when, he, when your kid needs real help, you'll do anything to help him, right? And so this son needs help, and here's what the father does. The crowds are arguing, the disciples are coming down, they can't cut it, these people are yelling, these people are arguing, and Jesus steps in the middle of all of it, and the man, the father, moves everyone out of the way and says, I don't care about the noise, I gotta get to the one. And hear me, for all of us, we have to realize that it's not about the noise, it's not about the crowds. When, when we're helping people, our goal isn't to get involved in the chaos, it's to get to Christ. Because that's where things change. And so he, he comes to him, and, and here's the thing that I want you to understand, is we got to get ourselves to the point where we start moving people out of the way so that we can see God clearly. Because how many of you got some people in your life that will give you one of those, what you should do is... Come on. So how many of y'all got some people in your life that, that got great suggestions to give you for your life because theirs has panned out so well? Right? What you should do is, and you're looking at them like, honey, like get some stuff figured out and then come talk to me. Right? Listen, I want to be real with you for a second. Some of you are believing for your husband or your wife to either meet God or have an encounter with God. And you need to move the people out of your life that are constantly telling you that it'll never happen. You need to move some conversations out of your life. Listen, the person that just gave up on their spouse because they were moving too slow isn't the one you need to talk to about your spouse. You got to get past the noise. As you're praying for things like politics or our country or anything like the last thing you need to do is get involved in all the chaos in the middle of your scroll on Facebook and Instagram. What we need to do is block out the noise so we can come to the only source that can create true change. But we got to get past the noise. Listen, I want to help you understand something. People that never put their faith in God's miracles aren't the ones you want to listen to as you help somebody else believe for theirs. People that aren't willing to trust God aren't the ones you need to be listening to when you're trying to trust God. People that aren't believing for miracles aren't the ones you need to be surrounded by when you're believing for a miracle. We need to be surrounding ourselves with people that are saying, God's got this. Come on, like God's got this. You know what I mean? Like you need to surround yourself with some people that says, I believe in your marriage. I believe that your kids can come back. Listen, they're not too far gone. We're going to pray today, and we're going to pray tomorrow, and we're going to pray the next day until we see God start to stir up a change. Listen to me. Nothing's too far gone, but you got to get some of the noise out of the way because noise affects your hearing. And so we have to be faithful in that. The next thing we have to do is we got to realize that this is a spiritual fight that we're fighting. This is a spiritual thing that we're dealing with. Listen, everything in your life has a spiritual component to it. I'm going to say this again. Everything in your life has a spiritual component to it. You say, I don't know. 
Krispy Kreme's light wasn't on, spiritual components. I'm just kidding. That, that's, maybe that's, that's off. McFlurry machine broken, spiritual component. No, I'm just kidding. It stirs up anger, so maybe that's part of it. Mark 9, 19. Let's go there. Jesus looks at the disciples. He says, you unbelieving generation. Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long will I put up with you? So, like, Jesus is coming down on the side. Like, what did the guy say? Your disciples couldn't do it. So, Jesus looked at them and goes, how long do I got to keep doing this? Right? But here's what I want you to understand. Jesus' desire, or Jesus' frustration wasn't with their desire to help. Like, Jesus' frustration wasn't with their desire to intervene. Listen to me, for some of you who are helping and, and you're the person that a lot of people lean on, Jesus' frustration is not with you helping other people, it's with you helping other people without the power of God. Jesus' frustration with the disciples wasn't that they were trying to help, it was that they were trying to do it on their own means instead of actually tapping into the power of God. Because it's a spiritual thing. Listen, they were trying to do spiritual things in natural ways. So they're looking at like, we did the stuff. But it didn't work. Anybody ever prayed for something and God didn't do what you thought he was going to do? How many, ever, how many came back to God and was like, we did the stuff, but it didn't work? Like, here, here's a 2021 version of that. Are you ready? Like, man, I got this friend. They're going through some stuff. I sent him a podcast. I gave him a book to read. I hit him with some YouTube links. And nothing's changed. And God's going, Right. Because you resource them with material, but you didn't resource them with presence. You gave them information, but you didn't give them any inspiration to get into the presence of God. Because it's not the information about God that changes people. It's the presence of God that changes people. And so Jesus' frustration was saying, you tried to do the stuff, but you never tapped into the power. You never brought him to me. You never went to God. You tried to use words, but hear me, you didn't do what you needed to do. Jesus looks at his disciples and says, you still don't get it. Listen, I put this, I believe this is in your notes. The people you're trying to help don't need our information. They need our experience. Listen, how many of you guys heard dozens, if not hundreds of sermons and songs about God before you had an experience with God? There's proof right there. One more time, raise your hands. I just want everybody to look around. All right? You know what that means? It's not in the information. It's in the experience. All of us slept through church services before. If you're doing it now, wake up. Okay, but like, we've all, except y'all at home, y'all are comfy in your PJs on your couch, so, you know, whatever. But we've all, we've all had opportunities for information, but it didn't change us. Because information doesn't change us. Experiences do. And what Jesus is saying is, you gave them the information, but you didn't help them experience me. And so, Jesus', was frust- Jesus frustration was that they were trying to perform without power. Right? Their failure was thinking that freedom was found in the formula. Their failure was thinking that freedom was found in the formula, not realizing that the power of their prayer is linked to the persistence of bringing the person into his presence. Listen, the reality of what people need is not more of the same stuff they can get anywhere else. Listen, if the only thing you're giving them is the same thing they can get at some, some self-help seminar, it's not going to change them. 
Those things make healthy people better, but they don't make bad people good. So if someone's ship is sinking, the latest podcast of whatever book you're reading isn't going to help them. What they need is an experience with the living God. And hear me, some of you are here right now, and I'm not talking about a friend. I'm talking about you. You're looking for help in every informational arena, and I'm here to tell you, you may get encouragement there, but you won't get change there. Because the God that created everything is the one you need changing the inside of it. He's the one you need transforming. He's the one that we all need every day to make us the version of us that he's trying to make us. We don't just need to hear about God. We need to experience God. And when we experience God, hear me, real things change. And that's the beauty of what we have when we tap in to who God is. I remember asking my dad for help one time. I came to him and... I asked him for 10 bucks. This is back in the day. Me and Justin, actually, this was back when we were kids. We used to go to the skating rink every Friday. That 7 to 11 skate, baby. Mm. You could find us dishing out fake Rolexes. I used to make, he was making money on fake Rolexes. I was making money on, re, re, sorry, replica Rolexes. That's my bad, not to be confused. <laughs> and... Uh, I was dishing out stuff that wasn't fake, but that's irrelevant. (laughs) And so, and then I had this other thing where I would just go around asking people for a dollar. Because it was $8 to get in, but no parent gave someone $8. So you know they had two in their pocket. So I was like, hey, brother, can I get a dollar? You know what I mean? It'd be like, you asked me that an hour ago. And I was like, hmm. I've already scooped up 30 in my pocket. You know what I mean? Like, so... Now we can go to Arby's because that's way overpriced. Anyway, that's irrelevant. I just had to get that off my chest. So I remember one time I came and asked my dad for money. I was trying to get to the skating rink, and, and uh, I was 11 years old probably. Hey, Dad, can I have 20 bucks because skating rink's eight? You know, and uh, he said, yeah, here you go, right? When I was 11 years old. Me and my dad had a great relationship. When I turned 13, my life just went crazy. Uh, all of my own decision-making, obviously, I've exposed that to you. And so uh, from 13 to 17, my life was, I mean, it was bad. I was getting into trouble. I was getting arrested. Just, it, it was chaos. I know you can't believe that now because I'm just such a light to shine. But <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was something, man. 13 to 17 was rough years. What's crazy is my wife has known me since I was eight, so she knows all of it, all right? So she could ruin my career if she wanted to, but anyways, don't ask her any of that. But I remember, I remember when uh, I hit hard times when I was like 15. I really was, honestly, I was borderline not even living at home anymore. I had moved into somebody else's house. Uh, that happened at 13. And so I was living there, and I just hit rough times. So I was out of options. And I wanted to come to my dad and be like, Dad, I need, I need to borrow some money. Um, but how many guys know if you were, even if you'd never been in that situation, you can imagine how awkward that conversation would be. Like, hey, Dad, I know I haven't really talked to you in two years. And the last time we did talk, you slammed me up against the garage door. That really happened. So, like, so, but I need to borrow a 50. Can you help me out? How many guys know that conversation would have went weird? I mean, like, first of all, I don't even think he would have gave it to me. But even for myself, how shameful it was to like put myself in a position like that. Cause it's like, I know the life I'm living and I know he doesn't approve of it. Right. 
When I was 11, asking my dad for money wasn't a big deal, but because me and him were good. But when I was 15 and I was making terrible choices, it was really hard to come to him and ask him for something. And for some of you, you've gone through a great season in your life where you feel like you could come before God with anything. Because you feel like you and him were good. I mean, I'd be a perfect person, but I'm trying my best. I'm putting in the work, and, and I really feel like I'm trying to do everything I can. But maybe you're in a season now where it's just like you feel like you and God are doing this. You're making these decisions, you're doing these things. Here's one of the things I found out about my dad. He's a great father. Is what I was doing didn't matter. The fact that I was his son did. And maybe you don't have a father that this analogy correlates well with, but I want to invite you into the space where you imagine a father that it does. And I'm not talking about your earthly father, but I'm talking about what the Bible calls our heavenly father. And for some of you, you think that you can't come to God because you feel like lately it's kind of been like this. But I'm here to tell you, even when you feel like this, God feels like this. And you can come before him, and he's not going to turn you away. He's going to invite you to stay. And that's what most of us need to realize. But here's the beauty behind when I came to my dad, right? It wasn't a matter of whether or not my dad was capable. It was a matter of my proximity to him. And for some of us, we need to realize what we're hoping for, for ourselves, for our friends, for our family, the miracles that we're looking for. It's never been about whether or not God's capable. It's always been about our proximity to the God that's more than capable. Our confidence comes from closeness. So let's get close so we can become confident that God's going to come through for us and for whoever else we're carrying something with. Can I get an amen on that? Because God's like that. Ephesians 6.12 says like this, talking about how we fight in the spirit. He says, for our struggle isn't against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the authorities and the powers of this dark world, and against the special forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Listen to me. I want to help some of you out for a second. This war that you're fighting, this battle you're fighting, it's not with your spouse. It's with the enemy that's trying to destroy what you and your spouse have. The, The fight that you're fighting right now for some of you, some of you in your 20s, the fight that you're fighting with your parents right now, your enemy isn't the, your, your parents aren't the enemy. There's a real enemy that's trying to come between you and your parents. For some of you, you're, you're in fights with friends or other family members. Hear me, they're not the enemy. The real war that you're fighting is in the spiritual realm that you can't see, but is very much real. Any of you ever been laying down at night? You weren't thinking about that person at all. And then all of a sudden, these thoughts and these memories hit you. And what does it do to your heart? It just starts to turn things, doesn't it? Hear me. That's the spiritual world meeting your natural self and causing the turmoil to start all over again. But hear me. If it's a spiritual fight, we have to fight it in spiritual ways. So yelling at each other on the phone probably isn't going to do it. You're like, but that's my favorite part. Probably not going to do it, Right? Mark 9.20, let's go back to the story. But when the Spirit, so again, the Father brings the, the Son to Jesus. And when the Spirit, who's in the Son, 
saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, and he's foaming at the mouth, right? You see, when we start to get the people we're trying to help to Jesus, and things get worse, they start to lose their mind. How many guys, you, you, someone's like, man, I need help. And all of a sudden you, you finally like, man, let's just, I'm going to pray for you. You bring them to church and they start getting right with God and everything in the world falls apart. Like how many guys have ever been there? How many guys have ever been praying for something? You start getting close to God and it's like, everything goes haywire. Come on, anybody? Come on, help me out for a second. Anybody been there? It's like, man, like, I feel like me and God are getting somewhere and you start getting somewhere and then it's like, you get a pink slip, you got a bad doctor's report and you're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. God, I thought things were gonna get better. Hear me, it's not God. It's the things that are around you that are spiritual that aren't of God convulsing because they're about to get removed by God. Don't get shocked when God starts getting ready to remove some things and change some things, because those may be the things that need to change for you to become the person he's trying to make you. But they don't like it when they come out. So they got to make some noise on the way out. All right? Which brings me to my last point. Listen, if you're going to help someone carry the load, bring the person to Jesus, not just the problem. Bring the person to Jesus, not just the problem. How many of us have ever been praying, God, I need you to change this situation in my friend's life? But we haven't brought the friend to Jesus at all. What if we started with, God, Trisha needs to experience you like she never has before. Sorry if your name's Trisha in here. That was a random one I picked out. Okay, so Joe needs to experience you like never before. Right, John needs to experience you like, like God. I pray that you would you would wake him up in the middle of the night. And you would give him a dream about how real you are. And what if, in doing so, we saw the miracle that we didn't even have to pray for because the person met Jesus. The problem already took care of itself. Like, what if that's the way that it changed? Mark nine nineteen. Jesus replied, "What did he say? He didn't say I took care of it. It's all good. What did he say? Bring the boy to me." I know you're asking for something else, and yeah, I could tell it to just go away, but I want you to bring the boy to me, because it's not just about the problem, it's about getting close to his presence. So we come in, the boy was already, listen, hear me, I want you to grab a hold of this. The boy was already with Jesus' people, but he wasn't with Jesus yet. Just because your friends are surrounded by Christians doesn't mean they met God yet. And what they needed is experience God, not just an experience with godly people. That's why I, I, I talk to people all the time. They're like, man, I'm just trying to get my friend to come to church. I'm like, that's a good idea, but like they could meet God in your living room. Like what if, they did, what if it didn't even require church? What if you were just like, hey, man, I could pray with you right now, and you can meet God right now. Don't get me wrong. If you don't have any other options, bring them to church. But I'm just saying like you could do a lot, right? <clears throat> so here's what I have for you. Listen, don't just bring the problem. Bring the person. I want to help you for a second. I've hit on this a couple of times because I feel like God is just speaking this right now in our church. I've talked about marriages quite a bit, but I want, to, I want to bring something to If you're in this room and you're genuinely praying that God would have a move in your marriage, I want you to hear me for a second. Stop bringing your marriage to God and start bringing the person you're married to to God. Because it's hard to hate and yell at the person you're praying for every day. My wife, Ashley, she's beautiful. She's amazing. 
We have a great marriage. But I'm sure I have some quirks that get on her nerves. You could imagine. And she has nothing that gets on mine. But hear me, those things never even become a thing that start to churn in my brain. You want to know why? Because I hold her hand every day that I can, and some days she gets out of the door because she'll wake up before I do. Some days she gets out, so I don't get a chance to hold her hand. But you want to know what some of the very first words I ever say are every single day? God, I pray for my wife. I pray that she would encounter you in a special way today. I pray that you would give her confidence. I pray that you would give her grace. I pray that everything she touches today is fruitful. I pray that the people around her see the value that you've put in her. And I pray that when she leaves, people notice that she was there when she was there, and they want to know why things changed when she left. Help her be the person you called her to be. So when she leaves her shoes by the couch or the kitchen counter, or the chair in the kitchen, or the bathroom, or the bedroom or the guest bedroom in my office, or by the front door, or by the refrigerator. And that was just yesterday. So when things like that happen, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Okay, so, but when things like that happen, there's never even, it could, it, it, if it happened every day for the rest of our life, that's never a thing for me. Because the words that I say over her are, God, help her. And I'm not asking that God would help her remember to put her shoes away. God, encourage her to be everything you've called her to be. And you know what God's doing when I do that? He's helping change her, but you know who he's helping really change? Me. And sometimes it's not about bringing the problem, not that shoes in our house are a big problem, Matter of fact, I think shoes in our house are amazing in a different context. But it's not bringing the problem to Jesus and saying, change the problem. It's bringing the person to Jesus. And as he changes the person, he also changes us. And he starts helping us become everything that we set out to be. Mark 9, 21 through 22, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, Awesome throws him in the fire, the water trying to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And I love Jesus' response. In Mark 9, 23 through 24, Jesus says, if you can. Like go back to what the, the father just said. If you can do anything. Like I'm desperate here. If you can do anything. And Jesus looks at him and says, if you can, like if I can, listen, brother, I'm Jesus. This is the BLV version for a second. I'm G. I can do anything. I'm looking for people who will believe in anything. If you can, I've got you. Like that prayer you've been praying in your prayer closet by your bed in the dark that no one knows about. If you, Jesus says, I've got that. I'm not looking for people who are perfect. I'm looking for people who are pursuing me. If you can, anything's possible. 
for those that believe, right? Jesus rebuked in verse 25. Oh, and I love the father's response. Sorry, going back to 24. The father says, I do believe. But what does he follow that up with? Help my unbelief. Like what a crazy contradiction. But how many of us can relate to it? Jesus, I do believe, but I know there's some stuff in me that doesn't, and I need you to help that part. I'm believing you can save my kids, but there's part of me that thinks that it'll never happen, so help that part. I know you can save my marriage, but I'm, I'm, there's part of me that thinks it might be too, so I need you to help me with that part. I know the doctor's report says this, says it's too late. They've already put a time stamp on me, but And I know you can do anything, but I need you to help me believe because there's some parts in me that thinks that that might be true. Like, I I know you can, I just need you to help me believe because there's part of me that doesn't know that you will or that you can. Verse 25, Jesus rebukes the impure spirit, casts it out, verse 28, 29, to move quickly. Jesus goes indoors and his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, Because this kind can only come out by prayer. Some translations say it can only come out by prayer and fasting. What Jesus is saying is, this is a spiritual thing that doesn't come out because you use the right words. It only comes out because you took them to the right person. You got to get them before God. You got to take them because prayer changes things. Now for some of you going, man, I just need help. I don't know how I'm going to do that. Briefly, I want to give you this. In 2 Kings, there's a story. Elijah and Elisha. And and for some of you, I want to help you out for a second. Because I'm talking to you, but I'm also talking to you about how you help people. And I'm wrapping this up. The story of Elijah and Elisha. Elijah is the prophet. Elisha is the one coming behind him to take over when Elijah dies. And Elijah performs eight miracles in his life. And Elisha... Elijah says, what do you want for being so faithful and following me and and being committed to the mission? What do you want? And Elijah says, I want a double portion of your anointing. So what God did for you, I want him to do double for me. And throughout Elisha's life, guess what he had? Elijah had eight. Elisha had 15 miracles that they performed. Almost there, right? Here's the crazy part. Elisha is dead. They've buried him, right? Some years later, some years later, some guys are running away from some bandits and they're holding their buddy who is dead on their shoulder. They're running away from these robbers and they're finally, they're getting ready to bury the guy and they say, we gotta do something with him and they throw him into a hole. Well, guess where that hole was? Where the bones of Elisha are. And it says in the Bible, you can read it. This is in 2 Kings. I'm just doing this for time. Chapter 13. They throw the guy into the hole. And as they're doing that, they see the bandits, these robbers coming towards them. They're like, listen, we got to go. And so they get ready to take off and they start running away. So they just throw their buddy. Their buddy hits the bones of Elisha. They start running and they pick their head up. And guess who's running behind them? (laughs) Buddy that was just dead. (laughs) Could you imagine for us? This is World War Z right now. Like they're like, no, no, like, so not like not only running from robbers, our dead friend is chasing us, right? Like, this is crazy. 
And so they take off running and their friend hits the bones of Elisha. And listen to me, when God makes a promise, it might happen after you die, but God fulfills his promises, right? And Elisha said, I want double what Elijah had. And he died with 15, but even his bones still held the promise that God had. He hit 16. But here's what I, I told you that story for this, because these guys are carrying their, their friend who's dead and they throw him into the hole, hits the bones of Elisha. He comes back to life. And the whole reason I told you this was to ask you this question. You ready? And this is what we're gonna close out with. Because before I, I remember growing up hearing my dad, my dad's been a pastor my whole life. I remember growing up him telling stories about how God provided supernaturally. Miracles, man. And I remember when I was going into ministry and I had to rely on God for something really big. And he looked at me, he said this, he said, Brad, you've lived and you've preached my miracles long enough. It's time for God to start giving you some of your own. And here's the question that I have for some of you, you ready? Thinking about that story where they laid their buddy down. What if what you refuse to lay down for other people is getting in the way of God finishing their miracle? What if what you're carrying for other people is getting in the way of God finishing their miracle? Because hear me, as long as they were holding their guy on their shoulder, God's promise to fulfill what he said he would fulfill for Elisha wasn't going to happen. But it, had, it took them putting it down for God to raise it up. And for some of us, your friends don't need you nearly as much as they need God. So let's put it down so God can help bring it up. You guys with me today? Let's pray. Father, we thank you today. We thank you that you're the one that speaks. We thank you that you're the one that changes. You're the one that resurrects. So God, I pray right now that you would speak life in every circumstance. We love you today and we thank you. For every person, God, that's been carrying a load, I pray you help them put it down in Jesus' name. That we could not just experience you, but we could help other people experience you. Help us bring people to you because it's people that need to hear about you. We thank you today. We thank you today. Come on, just thank him for a second, church. We're almost done. Thank him for what you're believing him for. Thank you for what you're believing him for. Thank you that you're looking to him. We thank you today. If you're here today, and I'm going to do this very quickly, you need Jesus to change your life. Sin, you know you've got some, we all do, and it's separated you from God, but you want to be close to God again, and you're ready for Jesus to give you a fresh start. I want you to pray this prayer with me, and the whole church will pray it with you. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. Give me a fresh start. I believe you died for me, so I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, let's give it up for all those that prayed that perhaps for the first time. We celebrate with you. Awesome, awesome, awesome.